What up, Zinka Diz? Peace, this is Outlaw. And you listen to the 80s Babies Podcast. And on today's episode, we're coming at you with another, I guess we'll call it COVID-19 checkup, part yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if this is going to replace the spring quarterly recap. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. But um, we'll figure it out. Earlier today, we recorded um, an episode, uh, a tribute episode for Marshall Mathers LP. So by the time this is released, you'll get that later on in a month. But um, we didn't yeah. really have much else to talk about in this month. But one of the things that we talked about when we recorded that Marshall Mathers LP was uh, a show that came out um, on Hulu, Little Fires Everywhere, which we will get to. Yeah. Um, but uh, we decided, hey, why don't we just go ahead and just do another COVID update, see where everybody is. So yeah, yeah. this episode will be timestamped. We'll talk about different things and uh, we will give a spoiler warning when we do talk about Little Fires Everywhere in case you haven't seen it. True, sorry. Um, so we got a list of topics and uh, I think we're just kind of yeah. going to go with it. So right off the top, we've got the, uh, I guess we might as well just go with the first one. So that would be mm-hmm. Drake and the, the Tusi Slide video. And I say the first yeah. because... He released that. I want to say he released that last month when we did the the first COVID update. Did he not? Did he? I, I know it's been it's been out for a little while. I, I think so you, maybe yeah, you mentioned weeks. that because it was early April, and I think you okay. had mentioned it on when we in one of our last recordings. Yeah, maybe so, yeah. I did. And you know, I I mean, I really meant it to be more so a a, a discussion of the um the entire project because now the whole project came out. Okay, so is that Tusi slide on the project or is it just yes. that? Oh, it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I have not listened to his project. I've I've gotcha. heard that song, yeah. I've seen that video, and yeah. that's it. Project to me, what my my opinion on it is, I thought it was very mediocre. Um, you know, I mean, so it's a Drake the, project. It's yeah, it's a Drake project. Right. Um, I think which, you know, with the caveat that that Drake Drake has already come out and basically said. Hey, you know, like, like this shit's called like dark sky demos or something like that. Right. So it's like, okay. He basically is admitting that he, he gave us a bunch of throwaways and that, you know, doesn't he he admit that every single time? (laughs) Basically. But like, he's saying that he has an album that is going to drop in this summer. And, and this isn't the album. This is just some other shit, I guess. Okay. Great. Thank you for giving us more shit <laughs> um, look here's the thing here's the thing i actually i actually like drake um yeah, yeah. i and i say that because folks like me mm-hmm. who talk shit the way i do about music mm-hmm. and who pride myself on like the music <laughs> the vinyl that i have the, the the jazz collection that i have right and all the things that i like we mm-hmm. generally don't like drake okay so because he actually does have hits that mm-hmm. I genuinely enjoy and yeah. get excited about. Yeah. I have to say that I like yeah, you Drake. Do. And you do have to say that. And I don't know who does all of his writing. I don't know if he's doing his writing, but he has there have been bars that he yeah. has said that I've been like, whoa, that's dope. Yeah. So I like Drake. Um yeah. you know, that being said, I if you're telling me this is mediocre, then uh-huh. sure, it sounds like most Drake projects. I mean I I did like <laughs> scorpion but i think the reason why i like scorpion is because mm-hmm. the first track or the second track on that was non-stop and yeah. when i heard not like the first time i heard non-stop i was like whoa like stop like i need to list, mm. run this back like two or three times <laughs> i still love that song it right. is still in my rotation yeah so it set a good tone for me for the rest of that album which i was yeah. like because i like that song so much i was kind of fucking with the rest of the album yeah but again i haven't gone back to listen to it since 
yeah. except for that one song. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Tell me about this one other than what um, you already said. Let me let me Google what this shit's actually called because I don't want to keep calling it like <laughs> Dark Sky Demos and it's not even it's not even the name of the other project. So do do you have another um, mimosa? I do have another mimosa. Yeah, so I I got myself another a drink too because I figured we're go. doing this boozy brush thing. Yeah, man. I, yo, I, I I was actually talking to a, a friend about this earlier, but I was just like, yo, it's 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 a challenge. When, you know, trying to drink mimosas in the age of COVID, right? Because it's like, <laughs> I feel like drinking mimosas, at, you know, and I mean, you live in D.C., so you get it. Like, oh, there's, yeah. there's not many cities. Maybe New York might be the only other one in the world that is so, so brunch jo- dominant, right? Like, brunch is mm-hmm. a culture in D.C. And so, you know, drinking a mimosa is something that's like a social rite of passage in dc right <laughs> sure and so it's like it's something that you you know you get used to doing in it and there's something that comes with it the boozy brunch thing is definitely like a dc rite of passage i feel like now in the age of covid when i pop open a bottle of champagne and i'm in you know my dwelling by myself i feel almost the challenge of of you know trying to kill the entire bottle by myself because i you know that's just what it is i don't want it to go flat or waste it right and so you know here we are hours later and i'm still drinking the same bottle of champagne so so three things first of all Mm i have often said that and i'll say it again that brunch in dc is a competitive sport Mm. um it definitely is like it's real yo especially if if you drive like i didn't live in dc so i'm not taking the metro out for brunch Right. And I'm not like catching a, a cab or an Uber. I'm yeah. driving. Yeah. So trying to find parking during brunch time is fucking ruthless. Right. Um, it's it's rough. And then like these fucking thing too, these these mimosas, right? And these right. bottomless mimosas, like they hit you over the head for like at least fifteen <laughs> yeah. bucks. It's the cheapest damn champagne. But I will say that yeah. it is very effective. Oh yeah. Because what champagne does like champagne is not very strong but because of like the sugar concentration right. it gets you buzzed in a certain kind of way that yeah. makes these folks feel a lot more drunk than they actually are but it mm-hmm. works and For the sure. third thing is that um i made my own little cocktail mm-hmm. from the uh, the rose bush that i have in my in my front yard that yeah. i was gonna tear out mm-hmm. but real talk i was like yo i actually stopped and smelled the roses in my own yard <laughs> and i was like you know what these actually smell good. Let me try to make this rose water. So I made a, a cocktail out of my rose water. Yeah. And that's what we have going on here. So you got your mimosa. I've got my yeah, rose like, water I, I Honestly, I, I think of mimosas, you know, and just champagne in general and the cocktails that I make as like two completely different, you know, like conversations, different yeah. buzzes. Like, you know, I'm not a champagne drinker. Right. So, you know, the only time I really drink champagne is when I'm I'm doing these mimosas. So, um, Okay. But anyway, right. so well, so it, this this Drake yeah. pro- project is called Dark Lane Demo Tapes. Dark Lane Demo Tapes. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, ba- back to the project, right? Like um man, I mean, I'll be honest, and and I just I just go ahead and and, and just couch it with the fact that so I I, I, I I put a, a status up on Facebook and it said um, a whole lot of mid dropped last night. Okay. Right. And a lot of people, you know, j- j- jumped on the joint and they were like, oh, you're talking about Drake. Oh, you're obviously talking about Drake. And everybody, yeah. you know, was kind of like, oh, you're talking about Drake. And while Drake was the first project that I heard of the mid that I heard that came out at the same time on this Friday. Yeah. Um, he wasn't the only one. Well, so know? what else came out? 
Um, and I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to blast uh, everybody. So right, I'm just, right, I'm right. just gonna keep it safe. The, uh, the other record, the other record that I was listening to, though, I will say when I, when I, when I tweeted that tweet, or or sent that that status, was actually YG's new song. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, and I, and so when I, my response when everybody jumped on it was like, oh, Drake, 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 Drake. I responded like, he's not the only one. Like. Okay. You know, I, I just listened to, I, you know, we have these Friday night releases where it's like at, at 12 o'clock, the 12 o'clock between Thursday and Friday is the industry's time to release projects. And so on any given Thursday, particularly ones that come near some sort of like the transition of a new month, et cetera, you get a bunch of releases that happen at the same time on a Friday. You know, um, that's not actually true across the board. Okay. Some artists do it differently. Because uh, no, because I was reading this. Um, mm -hmm. Normally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop and correct you like this, but I was reading a very interesting piece that there are certain artists, they release their music according to, like, on a time, day of the week, like, for certain purposes. So Drake specifically does this on Friday because he wants his music to drop going into the weekend so that you listen to it on the weekend and it's the topic of conversation throughout the rest of the week. There's other artists. I think one of the other ones that they cited was, like, Childish Gambino releases his music at a certain like a different time of the week for a different purpose i i only say this because i'm not sure if it's an industry standard but i i do know that it's definitely a drake standard and maybe so, it is for other artists as well so you know um the industry has changed to a yeah, okay. point where people have different distribution deals and they mm -hmm. can release music whenever they want people can right. be like yo it's 2 p.m on a monday i want my shit to come out that is that is a fact okay. however drake especially drake as somebody who claims to be independent and be able to do whatever they want yeah drake releases his music on fridays and and many individuals in the industry also still hold to the standard of releasing music on fridays okay so you know i mean when th this particular last friday that we had uh, uh, multiple artists put out music on on that friday and so yeah. I wake up on that Friday and I'm listening through all these new, you know, projects and songs and things like that that came out. Um, two of them that I will highlight because I think they were actually worth listening to. Mozzie came out with a new project. I thought that that was pretty good. Okay. Uh, Jules, who we talked about multiple times on this on this uh, podcast, you know, Jules Baby from from Ghana right. came out with a project. It was like a little EP. It was cool too. I listen. Know, I listened to it. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. So uh, you know, a, a few people came out with shit that was not mid. Yeah. But overall, you know, at least 80% of the shit that I heard was was literally mid. And the only reason it's even worth, you know, conversing about is because I feel like we're at a point in our, uh, you know, the, the way music is released where it's more important to stay relevant and stay a part of the conversation yeah. than it is to give people a quality product. Yeah, right? we, this is not the first time we've mentioned this on the podcast. Right. And so, you know, even in this in this scenario, right, like Drake is giving us something he's calling demo tapes. Like literally, <laughs> the project is called Dark Lane Demo Tapes. Yeah. So he knows that this shit's not good enough to be on his album, but yet he releases it as an album. Right, because well, at least he releases it. He didn't shelf it like Dr. Dre. <clears throat> I, I don't know that I that I think that one is better than the other. I right, you. like at least Dr. Dre, you know, respects his audience enough to not give them shit. On you purpose. could call it that, or you could say he's scared. Yeah. Mm. So, are you saying that Drake is not scared by putting out Dark Lane demo tapes? 
Well, clearly he's not because he sent it out. I agree because with what you're saying that he he wants to stay relevant, and this is an easy way for him to stay relevant. Because I agree previously Drake has given us projects that were not very good. Um, yeah. a, an example is the the last shit that he called a playlist. Right? He put the shit yeah. out. People said yeah. it was trash. He yeah. said, "Well, you know, I just got to put music out there. It's not a real album. That's why mm -hmm. I called it a playlist and not an album." Right? Yeah. So niggas have all these excuses. Oh, this sure. is a mixtape. This is a playlist. Yeah. But at the end of the day. When you put something out there to be critiqued, it can be critiqued. Yeah. So, you know, is it fear or is it? I mean, I guess we we as artists want a happy medium between Jay Electronica who sits on his shit for ten years, <laughs> right, and niggas who give us absolute shit out of a disrespect for their own fan base. What you want is you want a Jordan. You want an efficient shooter. What you don't yeah, want yeah. is the Ru Russell Westbrook. Allen Iverson <laughs> chucking 200 shots to make 37. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Like that's yeah, yeah. that's what you don't want, yeah, and yeah. that's what I think we get with Drake. Drake, Drake has got a dope. Drake Drake has got dope hits. He's also sure. got probably at least 300 songs out there with his name on it that are not worth listening to. Right. If I had to guess, that's just me yeah. guessing. Yeah. No, I I agree. And so you know, here we get this project that. You know, has a level of a, a, a very low level, in my opinion, of concentration in terms mm -hmm. of like songs that he even would want us to talk about. Yeah. Um. And and so you and know, yet, the and only yet we're reason we're talking about him. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> but the only reason I bring up the project and not just the song is that I think the song, the the project is reflective of how I feel about the song, right? Like. Okay, and we're talking about the two C slide. The two C slide, right? Yeah. So you know, obviously, and we talked about this, I think maybe on a previous episode, but you know. Drake puts out this song that to me shows a disrespect for the intellect of his fan base. Okay. Um, I think as an artist that has the level of talent that Drake has, I think it's disrespectful to put out something as shitty as Tussie, as Tussie Slide. <laughs> and I think, you know, and, and you know, I've, I've, I've been already been killed for this and gone back and forth with people about it on Facebook. So, you know, if niggas disagree with me, that's your opinion. And let me give you mine because you want my platform. So... You know what I'm saying the way I feel, and maybe you maybe I've been I've been mimosaing a little bit too hard tonight, but we we gonna we gonna keep it on it, yo. You know, in 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 an era where you have an artist that is a Drake, right? Like somebody who who has the talent level that Drake has and the exposure that Drake has, um, you know, you, you have the ability to do anything. Yeah. Right. And 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 so you can put something out that's not so great, like Dark Lane demo tapes. And it will be the talk of the town. Mm -hmm. You can put something out that's amazing and it will be the talk of the town. So yeah. with that in mind and with that level of platform, for you to make a lazy ass TikTok focused song mm -hmm. just to put it out there and take advantage and capitalize off of a trend that's going on right now, I think is disrespectful of your, your, your fan base, personally. I, I don't think it's disrespectful of his fan base. Mm -hmm. um, I think you can say it's disrespectful to music. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely not disrespectful to his fan base. I think So you're that, saying that you also don't respect his fan base. I think that's what you're saying. I mean, I didn't <laughs> the fact that I didn't have to say that and you said it for me. Keep it down, bro. You that, gotta, that wraps no, that wraps You drink an elderberry, your fucking immune system is, is is ramped up. Just just say what you gotta say, man. I just say I didn't have to say it. You said it for me. But that's that's exactly it. Look, yeah, I yeah. I have no issue with people, today's listeners, who say uh -huh. that look, I just want something escapist. I just yeah, want something yeah. fun. 
I don't really care about the musical nuances. Mm-hmm. Keep it at 100 like that, right? Yeah. But like anyone who actually digests Drake's music from mm-hmm. a serious, like intellectual musical level and mm-hmm. thinks that there's like a lot there most of the time, they're just fucking wrong. And I'm not, mm-hmm. they're, they're so wrong to the point that I'm not even going to argue with them. Yeah. So from that perspective, mm-hmm. you know, this is right along. This goes right along, like with this fan base, this whole TikTok yeah. thing. Like it makes sense to me. Yeah. So, like, if you're li- like a li- like, like I like Drake, you know what I mean. But mm-hmm. I'm not a Drake fan. Like, if you're mm-hmm. a legit, a legit Drake fan, then yeah, yeah, this seems to make sense for you. Yeah. And and if you take if you take umbrage with that statement, then <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you need like a reality check. Is the best thing I can say. Like, look right. yourself in the mirror and have a serious heart to heart. It's like, wow. I didn't yeah. like that someone disrespected me like that. Well, listen to what you're fucking listening to. Yeah, I mean to give to give like a you know the five minute cliff notes of the project. There's there's a few different uh, you know there's a few different options out there for if you're in Drake's core fan base and you're looking for Instagram captions, right? Like, <laughs> like there's a few Instagram captions on here. Yeah. There's a there's a Chris Brown feature that's so so not worth talking about that like he even like almost mutes chris brown's vocals <laughs> and it's funny because earlier today i was bored and i was listening to a little bit of the joe button podcast and they were laughing about how chris brown's on this song but like it's almost like he was like yo turn chris brown down turn him down a little bit okay i'm just gonna put him that he's he's featured on here because his vocals are in there somewhere you just kind of got to find him with your ear right so got it's you. like He's got this Chris Brown feature that's like so not worth talking about that he doesn't want to put it on his album. He's got Tussie Slide, which we've already talked about. Yeah. He's got a couple future features here. One of them, which is actually really worth talking about, and I think he should have just put out as um, as a single, right? D4L, you know, uh, freestyle, which I don't even know why we're calling it a freestyle, but that's fine, um, which features Future and Young Thug. Um, he's got Desires, which we've already heard. It's a future leak. Um, and then the one song to me off this project that I hadn't heard before that I thought was worth listening to was called Demons. Um, it features uh, Fabio Foreign and and Sosa Geek, who I'd never heard of. Sorry, Sosa. I don't know who you are. I, I, um, I don't know And the, the reason it's worth talking about is because it's so interesting how, you know, we, we always talk about how Drake is, is you know, like the the ultimate culture vulture right yeah, like he, he like he finds any scene that's kind of going and he and he capitalizes off it yeah. so you know we have um um pop smoke who passed away you know earlier this year rest mm-hmm. in peace pop smoke and you know we talked a lot about kind of like this new york brooklyn drill and how this sound is really kind of a new sound that people are really feeling and so, you know, Drake reaches out and finds these individuals that are in that scene so he can do a drill song um, and, you know, kind of out drills them on their own drill, you know, record in a way that is just so Drake. And it's just so funny. And then additionally, right, I'm learning that this, you know, this demons, you know, kind of word and concept is plugged into Demon Time, which we also heard on. Megan Thee Stallion and and Beyonce's record, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, so just so like Drake capitalizing off of something that's vo- vernacular of the moment, and Drake cap- capitalizing off of some other sound that is popular at the moment. Uh, so yeah, I mean, well, those those are my five minute highlights. The only thing I want to conclude with this is is with the video. Is he in his house? 
Yeah, so supposedly that was nice like the big reve house. reveal of his house, right? That's He's, a nice house. So it looks so like first a fucking he, hotel lobby. Holy right. shit! So first he did the um, I guess you didn't see the 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 title or uh, who was it? Rap Radar, Rap Radar interview with Drake in his house that happened a while back. But um, that was the initial reveal of his house. The video was supposed to be his, you know, kind of second reveal of his house where we get to see his, his new house. Good for you, Drake. Congratulations. I, I am, mean, uh, he has his own plane, so I'm not I wasn't surprised that he had a nice house. No, personally. I'm not either. I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I know I shit on a lot of your music, even though there's a lot of it that I do like. Well, more than you would think I would. But I've been shitting on you on this podcast. Anyway, congratulations. Good for you. Um, yeah. Good stuff. It's a nice house. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you teased it earlier. We no. The uh, Beyonce remix with um megan the stallion savage yeah and, what are your thoughts uh, on that I, well you know it's a remix it's got beyonce on it and it's a megan the stallion song that i actually did manage to listen to i think it came out really? in like late february or early march i heard the megan the stallion and uh mm -hmm. it was one of those was like oh women are gonna like this or mm -hmm. people i should say people are gonna like this song um yeah. i get it it's not for me but um <laughs> Again, this is one of those where all of a sudden Beyonce pops up on a remix that people like, and it's all over my social media feed. So mm. that's pretty much the extent of it. Um, okay. That that those, those are my only thoughts. There yeah. was a line I thought was funny, which mm. is like, if you can't, if you can't, if you don't jump when you put in your pants, like you you don't feel my pain. And I was like, yeah. oh, there's a lot of women who are going to be. Able to oh like, yeah, that's 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 yeah. Instagram caption of yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. year. So like, she she got Drake out of here with that one. I chuckled when I heard that. The only other thing that I think is worth mentioning is that um, there are these two twins. I don't no idea who they are, but mm. like people that I follow on Instagram follow these women. They're the okay. Chloe and Hallie twins. I don't, the, know. I, 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 or I don't know if they're twins, but they're sisters. Um, okay. They're real cute. And they did some kind of they did some kind of like video where like one is playing a guitar and the other's like doing some beat on the keyboard and they're like harmonizing mm. and they're singing the song. Okay. That I saw that come across like a bunch of people were sharing that. So mm. those are my thoughts on it. It's more, it's more less about the song, and mm. it's more about just people going crazy for the song. What are okay. your thoughts? My thoughts were actually I was I was very pleasantly surprised when I heard this. Um, okay. You know, so I heard that there was a there was a a a, 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 a Beyonce Megan record, right? And the joint came out like in the middle of the day, which is mm -hmm. is actually unusual, right, from the music industry perspective. Like, right. you know, typically, like like we said about the the Drake thing, right? Like, like a record will come out at midnight, and then you know you wake up the next morning and you've got it. Or if you really care that much, you stay up until you know the this thing comes out and you listen to it. So. I'm in the middle of a work day and all of a sudden, you know, my timeline's going crazy. There's a <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion Beyonce record. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know it was going to be a remix. When I pressed play on the record, I was like, oh. Because the beat started and it was the same beat yeah. and it was the same song. And I mean, mind you, you know, let's, let's set the context of, you know, for the last month or two months, everybody's been stuck in their house and they've yes. been doing these TikTok challenges, right? Yes. So... So the one of the biggest TikTok records that's out right now, it's pretty much it's Don't Rush and it's Savage. So you know, there's also either, uh, K Camp Lottery. I have to okay. get past to that one because I, I I happen to like that song. Yeah, so. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, so, but the the record I, I hear for mo for the most part with the girls and their families is this Savage joint, right? Yeah. So, so you know, I, I've heard that song a million times. So when the beat starts and it's the same song, I'm like, okay. 
So Beyonce lent like, you know, four to eight bars to a record that's already a hit record. Uh, okay, cool. This is kind of going to suck. And then when Beyonce comes on the record and and she's barring up and she's and she's doing harmonies and, you know, she, I was very pleasantly surprised personally. Okay. Um, I think the the one thing I said when I when I finished hearing the record and, you know, sorry for I, it's a hip hop record, so I'm just going to call it like I see it. Yeah, Beyonce barred Megan Thee Stallion the fuck up on the record, and it I was some, it was some shit where you know like for Megan to be a rapper, you know, and I mean we've talked about how Megan yeah. is a rapper. When we hear Megan rap, we hear Bun B on the mic as a female, like uh, like those are not my words, but okay. Her her well, I've talked about it. Yeah. Her style is very obviously influenced by Bun B, who is somebody sure. who is a respected. Yes. You know, hip hop lyricist in the annals of the legendary hip hop lyricist. So, so Megan Thee Stallion to me is somebody who I consider a rapper. Like when I listen to Young Thug, right? I like I enjoy Young Thug. He's fine for what he is, but I would never have a, a hip hop conversation about Young Thug. I wouldn't be like, mm-hmm. oh, Young Thug got got more bars than this person on. Like I, I would never have that conversation. Right. But Megan Thee Stallion is a rapper. So when yes. when Megan Thee Stallion raps and she's on a song with someone else. I'm listening like, yo, who who had the better verse? And Beyonce okay. was Beyonce was going on the joint. I was like, yeah, that's so, fair. That it yeah. also makes that doesn't surprise me either. Mm-hmm. Well, well, so it it did surprise me, right? From the perspective of man, like, why did she go like this? So then, so then it made me feel like it, it first it made me feel like why did Megan let her her kill her on her own song? Then it made well, me mean, feel it's like Beyonce. Well, Beyonce's if, a queen. So if you're the Megan king, the Stallion, me, Beyonce's the king. Excuse if you're me. Megan Thee Stallion, what, what are you going to do? Oh, I want to go record my verse again? No, you're not going to do that. You're so happy that you got this feature that you're just going to yeah. shut the fuck up and let Beyonce kill you. But I was like, did Beyonce make her write her a better verse than Megan on her own song? So then uh. I started looking at liner notes and, and, and looking at what people are talking about online, and I see this thread. So people had hit dream because the dream had been credited as a writer on the song yo dream these verses that you wrote you know for for beyonce crazy the shit you said about demon time and and you know um only fans is crazy so dream responds oh no that was jay so so we find that you know jay ends up also getting a credit and jay you know it's not the first time jay has written for beyonce right so i mean it it makes it makes perfect sense but you know i mean i personally was 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 very pleasantly surprised by this joint and my my one criticism of of the record because i actually think the record is a great record and i think beyonce really added a whole lot of layers to the record that it did not have prior um the my one criticism is i i almost feel like her performance was so good that I wish they had done it over a different beat just because I think this Savage record has has almost kind of peaked and plateaued, right? Like we've heard it so much with all these TikTok challenges and everything yeah, maybe. that I almost wish that like they would have got a fresh beat to give it fresh legs and us just be able to enjoy Beyonce and, and Megan on this new beat. So that's my only negative I think that's criticism. A, I think it's a fair assessment. Um, yeah. I think one thing is for sure though is that <laughs> the question you need to ask is, does the beat have staying power? Um, and that's something that we don't always know, right? Mm. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll revisit that part. And so actually, let me let me talk about this now. I, okay. I think that um, <laughs> you know, 
one of the areas that I struggle with is understanding like when music is is hot and you know you mentioned this with your boy uh from uva i know him as well i'm not gonna mention his name because uh yeah some shots fired but uh-huh. you know the comment i'm gonna bring up and he said yeah, well yeah, I, yeah. I need to i need to watch the video first to see if the video is hot before i know if i like the song right 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 and the thing is like from a musical perspective i think that that's fucking silly right right and we, we've talked about this we joked about this however yep, yep. what i will say is that i have now come to the point and i realized this maybe about a year ago i think i even mentioned this on the podcast mm-hmm. that i don't know if a song's actually going to be hot until i go out and hear it live mm-hmm. now this doesn't mean whether or not i'm going to like the song like the, the moment that i heard stir fry i was like holy shit, i love mm-hmm. this track the mm-hmm. moment that i heard non-stop even yolo from little wayne and drake i was like yo i like this song mm-hmm. right but i don't always know if songs are going to be hot like right. um the, like the cardi b bodak yellow I remember mm-hmm. hearing that and then I didn't know it was a hot song until like <laughs> I just kept hearing it out. I was like, okay, that, that's a hot song. Or right. or like Migos, um, Walk It Like I Talk It, right? I heard that mm-hmm. record. I was like, this is crap. But then mm-hmm. I heard it out and like, oh, people like it. Well, I guess mm-hmm. it's hot. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that I don't know if like this Savage record is going to be mm-hmm. hot because we haven't seen it. We've all been inside. Mm-hmm. But if this is a hot record, then this remix mm-hmm. will be the one that sustains like this is going to be the one that people start playing and if yeah. this becomes a staple then you know uh, the beat won't necessarily matter like mm-hmm. if it if it becomes a song that you play like during your warm-up set or like during the boozy brunch for like years to come like they're so, going to be playing this remix so here's my counter argument and i agree with you um and and i think I, I'll, I'll piggyback on what you're saying and say it is it is hot right like it is a, a quote-unquote hot song if we were yeah. all outside it is something that we would we would be hearing yeah. um but my question is like, right, okay, Bodak Yellow is a perfect example, right? Mm-hmm. Bodak Yellow comes out, it's crazy. What it's doing is crazy, right? It has a super yeah. impact. Now, um, we realize it's called the Bodak because, you know, it's it 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 co-ops and interpolates a Kodak black song, right? Right. So when it becomes kind of a little bit of a controversy about it. Cardi's team reaches out to Kodak Black and they create a remix that has Kodak Black on it. Mm. So now Kodak Black has co-signed Cardi B co-opting a Kodak Black song, right? Sure. So I remember when that came out, the clubs were still playing the original version. Nobody played the Kodak Black version. But you already know the counter to that, though. Well, let me finish the point. So, so you know, in many cases, when you have a record that is huge and has a life of its own. It becomes so familiar to people that regardless of the remix, DJs choose to keep with the familiarity of the original song yeah, but rather than playing the remix. So, I don't think that's going to happen here. There's a difference between Kodak Black and Beyonce. You know what I well, mean? Well, I mean, that's an obvious difference. But what I'm saying yeah. is, is the, is the Megan Thee Stallion Savage record so big and so quote unquote hot that when you as a DJ, and I mean, you've DJ before, you understand yeah. this. When you as a DJ, some of what you, what you, when you play these records that are the hits and that are hot, there's a familiarity factor that you're looking for when you're playing them. And that's why the DJs Beyonce, will tease, re- well, let me finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why DJs will tease a record and, 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 and play like the first 30 seconds of it because they want you to, to, to feel that familiarity with it. Yeah. Are they going to now discard the, the record that the people have the familiarity with and play the Beyonce version and play it through long enough so we hear Beyonce's verse I as opposed so. to just playing the regular 
Megan Thee Stallion I, version. I think they will. But who knows? But I don't know. I, I just, I think they will. That's all yeah. I can say is I think they will. Because there's been plenty of situations where I, as a DJ, assumed that people would would feel, you know, a, a big major feature happens after the fact. Because this happens all the time, right? The industry yeah. is whack. And so, yeah. and we know this, right? So like what typically happens is, you know, I'm... Johnny, you know, go go lightly. I don't know. I'm I'm the ran this random guy, John Doe. I put mm. out a record. The record blows the fuck up. It's crazy, right? So at this point in time, everybody wants a piece of me because I have the hottest record, right? And so it creates opportunities where the label, after the fact, goes, "Oh, Beyonce wants to do a remix. Oh, Jay Z wants to work with you. Oh, Nas wants to work with you." And I'm just naming people in our era of music, mm. but like whoever the hottest people are. Yo, they're interested in doing a remix. But by the time that person does jumps on the record, the record has so much of a life of its own that like it's cool that that's out there and it lives on the internet somewhere and people who like that person like the record. Oh, I'll give you a perfect example. Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. I will never forget the moment that they created on the internet when Jay-Z did a remix of it. And I think their mm. rollout of the Jay-Z remix was so perfect. I don't know if you remember this, but I don't. Th there was a video of Kendrick Lamar hearing Jay-Z rap on his song for the first time. Yeah. And when they did the rollout of the song, it's, it, the, it's the rollout of uh, us seeing Kendrick, who's a, a big Jay-Z fan, obviously. Everybody's a big Jay-Z yeah. fan. Uh, Kendrick for the first time sitting in the studio and somebody surprising him, yo, I got a surprise for you, and playing Jay-Z rapping on his record. And just the joy in his face was a moment that we all loved. Fast forward to now that record has been released. When DJs played Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe, they did not play the Jay-Z version. They did That's not fair. play the Erica Badu version. They did That's not fair. play the Emily Sande version. All three of those had huge releases on the internet. But people felt the nostalgia of the original version, and that that's version right. was the version that they played. So that's all I'm saying is... I think there's a difference you know, between a song like Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe and Savage, but you might be right. I can't argue with your point. I just think that Beyonce has a factor that even those other artists don't have. And facts, in terms facts. of the conversation that we're having now, in terms of like what remains hot. Yeah. Well, who knows? You're probably yeah. right. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, hopefully we'll see, right? If we're not yeah. stuck in the house for the, the rest of the year, we'll see. But um, yeah. The, shout the out to. Other, go ahead. Shout out to. Shout him. out to both of the those ladies because I, I think they did a really great job on that song. The only other thing I want to say about it in terms of the bars is that mm -hmm. look, I think that Megan The Stallion can rap. I think she's got a good voice. I think she's got great delivery. Mm -hmm. I like her strength on the mic. Um, her 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 authority on the mic. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, I like that. But in terms of like bars, I've mm -hmm. never said that she has bars. I don't mm -hmm. think she has bars. I. I can't tell you too many times where I've heard her say a different verse. She, I feel like she has three verses, three subject matters that she kind of yeah. goes in between. Yeah. And she just kind of switches the words around in terms of how she's going to say the same thing. Uh, now, I agree. that's not necessarily a criticism because mm -hmm. there's a bunch of dudes who do the same exact yeah. fucking thing. Yeah. Migos is a perfect example of this. They talk about the same shit all the time. Right. That's not my point. My mm -hmm. point is, is that I don't think she has bars. And That's I think fair. that if Beyonce is going to come on a record once in a blue moon yeah. and she's going to get people to, to write for her, she's <laughs> going to have bars. So yeah. that's the only point I want to make about that. Yeah. No, I mean, I, uh, yeah. I don't disagree with anything that you're saying there. Yeah. Um, you know, I just made the, the, the 
the comparison because even Megan Thee Stallion herself has made the comparison, right? Like, and we've talked about on the on the on on this podcast when we talked about her album yeah. that you know her style kind of reminded us of of of, of Bumby. And right. then, you know, and then she talked about, yo, I grew up, I was a big UGK fan. I'm from Houston. Like, I, I mean, that, like that's, that's how right. I try to rap. And, and you can hear it. P.A., Port Arthur. <laughs> Shout out to everybody from Houston and Port Arthur and everyone who likes UGK. Shout for out sure. to them. For sure. Um, the next one we should talk about is this, uh, this video specifically yeah. from Wale, uh, the Sumi yep. video. And this was on his album, which came out in the fall, I think. Yep. And um, but I guess he's now officially releasing this as a single. And mm -hmm. for those who are not familiar or those who are, it's the, the hook where it's like, um, sue me, I'm rooting for everybody, for everybody black, was black, yep. which is a reference to what Issa Rae said yep. at the, you said at the Oscars or the Emmys or she said it somewhere. One of them, Giants. She said it, one of them. And so you specifically like, yo, outlaw, you should, should watch this. And mm -hmm. um, at first I was like, okay, whatever. And then I was yeah. like, oh, I, I see why I'm watching this. Mm -hmm. It was it was cool. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, you sound like you you're not all the way convinced, but you know. No, I I liked it. I because I, I, I think that it's hard to pick apart. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not very nuanced. Yes. Um, it's it's very heavy handed. Yes. There's but intentionally so, right? Yeah, intentionally so. Mm -hmm. So it's like I get it. Like I mm -hmm. I see the references. My favorite was yeah. probably is like oh like make your like three steps to to make your hair kinky. I love that. that. I, lo I love that reference, and they also love the yeah. reference at the end where he's like, "Oh, your hair is long. Your mother let you do that." I was like, "Oh, I see what you did. That, that was cool." Yeah. But like, I feel like everything else was was pretty. You know, it was pretty yeah. obvious. Um, yeah. Like, I, I liked it. That's that's all I can say. So you know, I I put this on on the list for us to discuss, and I want everybody who has an opportunity to to hear our podcast to go out and watch this video. Um, and I say that from the perspective of I feel like I try to shoot straight. And I try to yeah. be fair. I've yeah. said negative things about Rhapsody's music in the past. And when Rhapsody uh -huh. came out with something that I really liked and I respected, I came on this podcast and I said, yo, you know what I'm saying? Rhapsody put out a great project. Y'all need to go out and hear it. Right. Similar for Wale. I haven't had, I haven't necessarily had a lot of positive things to say about a lot of Wale's music in the past. Yeah. Some people have agreed with me. Some people have vehemently disagreed with me and said, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And that's fair. But again... I like to try to use my platform as responsibly as possible, and I feel as though I really respect what Wale tried to do with this with this Sumi um, video. And I actually I really like the song. We, I think we talked about the fact that I liked the song back when we talked about the the album. Mm -hmm. But um, but this video, you know, um, you know, for folks that haven't seen it, attempts to kind of give us, you know, an an enactment of a world where white privilege is canvassed as black privilege so right. you know it's it's afro-normative right like mm -hmm. everything in the world is black and it's 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 a white the story of a white guy and his family essentially trying to move through a world where everything happens through black people's eyes as the majority yeah were you gonna say something no go ahead keep, keep going yeah so i mean you know i don't want to i don't want to completely spoil it but you know you get this white kid who wakes no, up fuck it we're gonna spoil it you if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. But we're talking <laughs> this about this white the video. kid who wakes up, and you know he's you know he's he's getting his family is 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 I think it's like a sister or something ready for That's school his brother. and the his brother or whatever ready for school. I mean I only I only saw it a couple times so, but um you know and and then we get to watch him go through a world where you know people get kicked out of Starbucks just for being white. 
Like, basically, yeah. you know, um, there's billboards, you know, of of, you know, essentially situations that that are like very part of the black experience. But they like they make them they frame them through a white person's perspective. And I just go ahead. So I think that, you know, if you still want to continue to criticize Wale, I think that's fair. I would be curious who's actually re responsible for the concepts in the video. So, for example, mm -hmm. the video is directed by Kirby Jean Raymond. Raymond or yeah, it was, Kirby it was his idea. Okay, so fine. And it's written by him as well, along right. with uh, Cameron Robert. That's what I'm looking at. So, yep. if it's their idea, let's give them credit. For sure, for sure. Right? Mm -hmm. Um so, you know, it, it this may not have been Wale's idea. Or maybe he uh, but, went to them and he said, hey, look, what if we did a video where everything was flipped? But let um, me let me hop yeah. on that, though, and say, you know, because I feel like you and I kind of went back and forth with this about Beyonce and formation, right? And sure. so, like, while it's like there are individuals that contribute to create something, and you definitely want to give those individuals their credit, um, you also have to credit the person who has decided to use their platform to give yeah. a voice sure. to whatever that art is, right? Sure. So, so shout out to Kirby and the folks that that contributed. But this is still Wale's video, and he's decided you. to use his platform to, you know, give an outlet for that. Those visuals. At, at what point in the video were you watching it? Did you, did you understand what they were doing? Like, was there a certain point that it hits the screen? screen and you're like, oh, I see what's going on here. It was the very beginning, but I think it's because... The very, people, very beginning? Yes, because people oh, okay. had been like... Like, by the time I saw the video, because, again, I'm not a, I'm not a Wale fan. So, like, yeah. by the time I saw the video, people were like... The, the captions I was seeing was like, everybody should watch this video. This is the most important video of 2020. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, so I saw all these captions, and I already knew that it was going to have some sort of a social commentary having to do with what the song is about. So I, I kind of already knew from the beginning. What about you? Uh, for me, it was when I saw the melon and oats because before like, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Before I was just like, oh, you know, she's going to work. He and his brother are struggling. Like everyone's struggling, you know, mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. That sucks. Yeah. They're poor. Um, you know, or they're, they're, they're trying to make do, whatever. And right. then I saw like the melon and oats and I was like, <laughs> wait, what? And I was like, oh shit. And then I was like, wait a minute, hold on. Then yeah. I started paying more attention. I was like, oh, there's a black Jesus on the wall. I was like, oh, I, yo, I, I love the here. black Jesus on the wall and the black, the black oat dude. Yo, I love it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's cool. I think yeah. that the, actually the most important part of the video is the very end mm -hmm. um, where there's a prisoner talking about how he will not be able to go home. Yeah. Um, and basically he's talking about the, the coronavirus in jail. Yeah. And the fact that he's like, look, um, nonviolent offender, this, that, and the other, I have a year left. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that's the kind of footage that we need to see more of Agreed. that people need Agreed. to be aware of. You know, especially in a world where, you know, and we don't even have to name this person by name, but, you know, a very popular rainbow haired, you know, individual who was in yeah. prison, you know, immediately when shit like this pops off, they get sprung from prison, you know, make sure that yeah. we preserve their health. But there's other individuals that somehow are still behind bars, you know? Yeah. Do you have anything else to talk about with the video? Not really. I just think people should go check it out. I thought it was dope. I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, I'd be curious if there's like a white response to it. You know what I mean? I'm sure there if, is one. Yeah, like, well, you know. Well, I, you know, those white folks, it's you know, mm. 
black folks wouldn't be in that position if they worked harder and all that other bullshit. Yeah, I'm sure Joyner Lucas will, 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 will let us know the white, the white person's perspective of it. You know, <laughs> that's, that's how he rolls. Shout out to him. But, uh, you know, I, I wanted to talk about that video first because it's going to lead into our discussion, our, our main discussion. And we've already been mm-hmm. talking for close to 40 minutes, 45 minutes. But uh, the little fire is everywhere on Hulu. Stop mm. the podcast right now if you have not <laughs> seen or finished this series. For sure. Um, yes. So, like I stated, mm. we were talking about the Marsha Mathers LP mm-hmm. earlier today, which that's an episode that will be released at the end of the month for the yep. actual 20-year release of uh, Marsha Mathers LP. But yep. in that, several times, we mentioned Little Fires Everywhere. And as a result, yep. I got off the podcast and I said, yo, I want to talk about this shit today. <laughs> today so we are talking about this and i am so fucking excited to talk about this show this show is my favorite piece of coronavirus self-isolation binge binge watchable tv that i that i've seen i fucking love this show this show is awesome it was so good it was so good um and and you know i I first want to give a shout out to to reese witherspoon yes i've always said that if you as an actor or actress can make me hate you, yeah, then you are great at what you are doing. Yeah. Well, Reese and, Witherspoon, uh, she's been she's been really good for a while. I saw something on on the internet. Uh, uh, you know, everybody's making memes nowadays. It's it's commonplace. But yeah, I saw a meme that had me dying. It said was a Reese Witherspoon in Little Fires Everywhere is the LeBron James of Reese Witherspoon's. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That I was fair. like, Look, yo, that's, that's some ill shit. She did an amazing <laughs> job um, yes. <laughs> throughout the entirety of the series. I think that Carrie Washington uh-huh. did a really good job in the first mm. two episodes. Mm. She started to annoy me when she did her patented Carrie Washington. The lip quiver joint? Yo, I fucking hate that shit. <laughs> I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And the first yep. two episodes, we uh-huh. didn't see it. So I was like, oh, yeah. it's more subdued Carrie Washington. She's really getting into this role. She's uh-huh. got this really dry sardonic kind of like delivery (laughs) this is perfect she's like we're getting to see her acting chops and then Uh fucking lip quiver god damn it but but what i will say with with that right is that the girl who played young carrie washington yeah did a great job of giving us the carrie washington lip quiver yeah, Without did. being Kerry Washington. I was like, yo, I respect that. Yo, you, you are great young Kerry Washington. So like we said, um, spoilers ahead. Uh, if you're still listening to this and you haven't, haven't uh, seen it yet, whatever, you're just going to get spoiled. But yeah, um, how did you find out about Little Fires Everywhere or me- what made you watch it? Man, probably boredom, dog. Boredom? You know, That's I fair. think I, I think a, a couple of people had mentioned it, but you yeah. know, I really just was just looking for something to watch because I've been so bored. What about you? So yeah, my man Ricky, uh, he talked about this. He was one of the first people I called. This is back in like late March or early April or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I called him on a WhatsApp because um, you know, COVID nineteen. You just start calling people <laughs> and what and FaceTiming them and whatnot. Shit that I don't usually do. Right, but I, I've been doing this with my friends, and uh, he told me about it then, and it didn't really sound all that interesting until right. it popped up on someone's newsfeed, and they were talking about how like how good of a job Reese Witherspoon did, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, you know, someone told me about the show. Let me watch it because the thing is, I don't have Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend, I, I'm borrowing the the username and password from a friend who's borrowing it from someone <laughs> else. I have no idea whose Hulu account I'm using. 
That's hilarious. But um, so yeah, so I don't go to Hulu as like my first thing because the other thing is like Hulu has like a lot of like shit shows on it. Yes, they're um, not very good with content. Yeah, and they have like knockoff versions of everything, which is <laughs> hilarious, <laughs> hilarious, right? So so I don't really think to go to Hulu. Um, right. But I was like, all right, let me watch this, and I watched two episodes on Thursday. So like I said, so this is Sunday, May third. Mm-hmm. And uh, I watched two episodes Thursday, and then I finished the show Friday night. And yeah. wow, yeah, I uh, this is so good. It's so yeah, good. It's good. So it's good. I think that one of the one of the reasons why I like it is because first of all, it is very, very, very heavy handed with all of the the the, the racial references yes. and all the microaggressions that they 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 highlight. Mm-hmm. It's very, very heavy handed. Yeah. But the show is still well written enough to the point mm-hmm. where like I can tolerate all of that stuff. And yeah. the way that they play Reese Witherspoon's Elena character mm-hmm. versus Carrie Washington's Mia character is like mm-hmm. and the children, the way they play off against each other yeah. is absolutely perfect. Um because I think that yeah. what a lot of modern dramas are doing right now mm-hmm. is this whole idea that like the protagonist and the antagonist are kind of interchangeable. And it's more mm-hmm. like of you know whose story arc are you following or whose character are you following what's their arc and that can kind of like that kind of like can reveal something so like on on, on one hand mm-hmm. Carrie Washington Mia Warren is very much the antagonist mm-hmm. but then at the other hand it's like okay she you know Elena is clearly an antagonist here as well yeah. um I and think she's, honestly she's obviously very she's obviously very antagonizing like to us to audience at the very beginning because yeah. of like how racist she is and she doesn't realize it. But yeah. in terms of like an actual character, when you think about it from like the first person perspective, you know, there are times where, you know, Carrie Washington's uh, or Mia Warren's uh, hypocrisy very much makes her an antagonist as well. Yeah, I think honestly, the way they use the kids and in yeah. each of their relationships with the, their kids and each other's kids, yeah, the, and the way they're interwoven as like two families that are separate, discrete families, but are yeah. interwoven. Like I think that's what makes it so genius. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because if you didn't have the kids and you didn't have how they relate with each other's kids and all the etcetera's, I think it would be just a much more basic story. That's just like, oh, black lady versus white lady. You know, privilege versus, you know, I don't know, wh- you know, whatever. So I want to shout out the author of the book i think her name is christina ing or i I don't know how to pronounce her last name okay but um i don't know what her i guess her family background is i I know she's Mm -hmm. asian Mm -hmm. um i want to say she actually grew up in shaker ohio and she wrote this story now i'm going to shout her out now because i've read the cliff notes of Mm -hmm. the book and they make some very distinctive like changes for the series Okay. And so for the remainder, I will continue to give props to the writers of the show for mm-hmm. adapting it to the story that they told. I, I don't necessarily yeah. know exactly how the book goes because I haven't read it. Okay. But in terms of how it was adapted to screen and the way that they play off these characters, like you said, um, mm-hmm. I think was I think is very genius. So I want to shout her yeah. out because I know she wrote the, the story, but mm-hmm. the people who adapted the screenplay did an amazing job. And I know people who who both watched the series and read the book, and they said the choices that they made for the for the for the series were better. Yeah. Which I can, you know, based off the clip notes I read, I, I think I would agree with. That's but, so dope. Um, absolutely. I mean, the casting of the kids, right? Oh, they were so good. Yo, the casting of the Richardson family, like, I believe mm-hmm. that they were siblings. Like, just looking at them, like, yeah. not only did they look like siblings, they yeah. look like Reese Witherspoon and Josh Jackson's kids. Yeah. Like, they really do. I yeah. could, especially, especially the oldest one, Lexi. She mm-hmm. looks like 
she looked like Elena's daughter for real. Yeah. Um, oh my God, it was so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the casting with the casting was really good, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. What did you think about all of the microaggressions that they continually, continually just like throughout? Like every single line of dialogue is a microaggression. Yeah, Matt. Like in some cases, I felt like it was too heavy-handed. Yes. But then, like when, like in certain in certain ways, they did like a really good job of like taking something that I thought it was heavy-handed. And then making me understand why they did it that way. So I'll sure. give you a perfect example. Um, so Isabel learns about this whole situation going on with you know her mother and their and and their their neighbor, uh, you right. know, versus this Asian woman who works at, at, at with Kerry Washington, right? Right. And so like she does this whole deal where she like she takes these different color Cabbage Patch dolls. And mm-hmm. she like tries to make a display of like, you know, the white Cabbage Patch dolls worth this much. And the, the, the you know, I don't know what it was like a, a Hispanic so Cabbage the, Patch the, doll. The white, white, cabbage, white Cabbage Patch kids were 100,000. Asians were 10,000 and blacks were free. Were free. Right. Yes. And so people were coming up to her and they're trying to ask her like, yo, like this is racist. And she's like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, et cetera. So she comes home and she feels like kind of like smug about like yo like i've i've i really i proved a point like i showed people something and then carrie washington is like telling her why basically like what she did doesn't mean shit for shit because like at the end of the day like she still doesn't get it right like like when she did that exercise i was like yo like (laughs) okay you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. then i feel like in the scheme of where everybody is like it made what the demonstration was make sense between her mother's reaction to what she did, her the other students' reaction to what she did, and then Carrie Washington, who is like this this figure to her that she really looks up to as like yeah. this woman who's creative and et cetera. Um, I thought that that was just it was just really well done. I liked it in the court scene when the mm-hmm. the lawyer for um, for Bibi. Mm-hmm. is talking to Linda about the teaching of the Chinese culture to Mayling <laughs> or to Mirabel yeah, yeah, yeah. and the whole thing with the fortune cookies. Yeah. And I, I liked it then because I, I understood what Linda was saying. Right. But his point was 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 there. It's like, look, yeah. you have like one of your arguments for keeping this child is that you have all of these resources. Despite mm. you having all of these resources you're not doing shit to teach this daughter anything about her culture. And yes, right. she's one years old. But like, yeah. you can't even do the research enough to know the fortune cookies are American are and they're not right. Chinese. Like, yeah. is this really that important to you? And when like, he- that was an instance where it's like, okay, I think that the whole like Chinese cookie thing was like, was a little heavy handed. But no, the point so that they perfect, brought home though. was, is valid. It's right. very valid. No, I agree wholeheartedly. I felt like that fortune cookie moment really reminded me of Cameron going, that's a duck. When yeah. Shorty was like, it's a chicken, quack, 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 right? Like, it's like, they're making this point that like, you know, yeah, like what well, we plan to eventually, which it, it, it they did such a good job with that scene because you see both mm-hmm. sides, right? Like, he's like, yeah. have you given her an opportunity to learn about Chinese culture? And it's like, well, she's fucking one. Like, yes. like you know, we will eventually. Yeah. And then he's he's like, okay, well, I mean, 
you did this fortune cookie shit, which obviously yeah. was Reese Witherspoon's idea, right? It was, and it was a right. fucking stupid idea. And then, you know, they're like, yo, like fortune cookies aren't even Chinese. And then it's yeah. like, well, we, we met well. You know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they did mean well. Like they yeah. literally meant well. Yeah. You know, so it's just it's crazy. Um, and then I think it was Kerry Washington's character who said something along the lines of like, "They're both, they're both the mother. Like they're both her yes. mother, and they both, both good mothers, they both yes. have an opportunity to be good mothers. But at the end of the day, one of these people is like biologically equipped to be this person's mother versus another person who is not." Um, but uh, I'm yeah, gonna man. I'm going to ask you a potentially polarizing question here. Did you actually have an opinion as to who the the child should have gone to? It's man. really tricky. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really tricky. I think honestly, um, maybe the the court should have come up with some sort of a shared situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, but I, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't. I don't necessarily know what the right answer is either. I know mm. that if a mother is seems like she's doing okay and she is fighting for her daughter mm -hmm. you would seem to give her like she has some merit to, to you know to have custody of the child and it yeah it should go her way right mm -hmm. um at the same time too if the family thinks that they went through all the legal channels i don't know if they mm -hmm. did or they didn't but i think mm -hmm. they did who knows yeah they they were like close but they hadn't quite solidified right. it at the time right um and you can see how it would be terrible for them as well but yeah. that's not that's less the issue for me i think if it was just those two things mm -hmm. i would say hey you know go ahead and um give it mm -hmm. to bb yeah. but i mean it really is difficult mm -hmm. to defend like what she did like it's really hard yeah my and i favorite. was kind of trying to but i was like man like yo you, yeah, you, you gave the child away like I, yeah. I don't know it's it's really i don't know it's tough my favorite part actually of the whole shit though is when josh jackson's character is like yo like we're gonna win this case like at the yes. end of the day people yes. who look like bb yes. don't win it, it yes. just it's just what it is and yes. so like you know at the end of the day reese witherspoon is like Yo, we need to shoot this kill shot. You know, yeah. we need to like just break yes. her down psychologically as a human to win this this case. Yeah. And Josh Jackson makes the call like, you know, like yo, like mercy rule, like we don't need to say this to right. win this case. And yes. he makes that choice, and that when he makes that choice, it creates the 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 arc in the story to where, you know, he's on one side and his wife is on the other side, right? Like, yeah. like there's kind of almost no coming back from it. And I just, I really, really think that that was well done. No, it, it, it was very well done. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the, the show, the show was very cleverly staged because when we find about, when we find out about Carrie Washington's backstory, Mia Warren's backstory, yeah. I'm kind of like, at that point, I'm kind of like, you know, I think that Mia Warren is actually the antagonist here because Mia <laughs> Warren is a hypocrite. Um, yeah. At least up up until that point, she is a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. um, and I think where it, I'm not saying I was ever rooting for Elena, but mm -hmm. I definitely was not a big fan of of, of Mia Warren at, at that point, like learning the backstory, even though mm -hmm. I'm not saying I was judging her mm -hmm. for her past actions, but judging her for the present actions, I was kind of like, you know, two things. One, when she fights for BB, I was kind of like, yo, like, what are you doing? You're you're fighting for someone else's daughter and that's a very noble cause and i don't want to criticize you or judge you for that but like 
you can very clearly see that your own daughter is like slipping through your fingers. I would think that yeah. that'd be a priority, but whatever. Mm. I, I don't know. But yeah. that's just what I would think. But the other point to that as well is that some of like the criticisms and some of the judgments that she's making about other characters mm -hmm. um, in the present is kind of like, look, you can't really say these things when you did these these past actions. Yeah. But I think that the way they kind of flip it around is that for for Mia Warren, even though she makes mistakes, I think it's very clear that she always is trying to do the right thing. Even if she's doing the wrong thing, mm -hmm. she is trying to do the right thing. And when she's actually confronted by her past and she needs to make a decision, she doesn't like hide that. She, you know, she struggles with it, but she goes with, mm -hmm. through with it. And ultimately, like she and her daughter come to a better place. Like yeah. when her daughter finally hugs her, Mm -hmm. Like at the end, like I actually needed that hug. I was like, oh my God, like Pearl, <laughs> like please, like your mother yeah. is trying here. Please give her a hug. I was like, oh great, yeah. she gives her a hug. So we yeah. see that Mia Warren is is trying and like mm -hmm. she 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 comes to this 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 I guess decision point where it's like, okay, I could either keep fighting this battle or I could accept that I made some mistakes and I need to make it right. Yeah. But Elena's character doesn't do that. And so there's yeah. a stage where you're kind of like on her side. But then she just goes over the edge. And as a result, you know what I mean? Like her yeah. husband wants nothing and to do with her. Her kids want nothing to do with her. Her one kid runs away. Yeah. And then the other three burn down the fucking house. Yo, and it's but just to, like, piggy, to piggyback on what you're saying, I, I completely agree with you, right? Um, and, and so there's a point almost, right, where they're competing for like, who is the main antagonist, right? Yeah. And there was, there's a point where... I made a decision or a call in my mind, and I don't know where that was, somewhere in yeah, the middle right. of the show where I was like, there's no possible way that Carrie could have burnt down the house yeah. because of the fact that Carrie has illustrated to me that she's a person that takes responsibility for her actions to a point where she would not have done this. Mm -hmm. So at that point in time, then in my mind, then it was like, okay, did Isabel burn down the, down the house or did somebody else? Yeah. Like to so me, that, that's what happened. So we should talk about that because people were asking me like, hey, you know, I was I was texting them while I was watching the show. They had already finished and they had asked me like, hey, do you have any predictions on who burnt down the house? Mm -hmm. Do you remember like who, who you thought was going to be the one burning down the house? I think I thought Isabel burnt it down. So it was asked to me at some point, like midway through the season. Um, mm -hmm. I forget what had happened. I don't think I think this is um, before. Lexi found out that she was pregnant or while Lexi found out she was pregnant. Okay. I was asked like, hey, who do you think burnt down the house? And at that point, I came up with two people, two possible mm -hmm. people. I said, it's either Moody or it's Lexi. Okay. Because it would be lazy writing to have either Isabel do it or right. Carrie Washington do it. Right. It'd be it'd just be lazy writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was like, it's not them. It's obviously not Bill Richardson. Which mm -hmm. yo, shout out to Josh Jackson for showing some acting chops. He was yo, killing. he acted his ass off in this whole shit. He was killing, and it's funny because yes. like, I think to some degree we underrate the the role of somebody who is kind of almost like a moral north character, like Josh Jackson, yeah. right? Where where like his his character's responsibility was just to be a regular ass dude who just did yes. regular shit, and then yes. all this other crazy stuff is happening around his character, and his character is almost like. Like moral north, right? Like just it's like straight down the line. Well, but at like least for the, as far as moral north, as far as the richest is concerned. Right, right, and yes. and and that is very difficult to do. I think in in a show like this show, well, mm -hmm. 
like like oh. him finding the him finding the receipts and yes. like you know the little pieces that contributed to him getting to where his character was at the end of the season. I think he just did such a great job with that. No, oh, he, he did do a good job. And then yeah. when when he's having that argument with with Elena at the end and he's smoking mm-hmm. and he's like he's like you you rented out the 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 house to Mia. You brought her into this house. Mm-hmm. You did this. Blah, 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 blah. He's like, I got to go out. Maybe I'll find a pacifier. I was like, oh, my God. Josh yeah. Jackson's acting his ass off. That was crazy. Um, where was I going with all that, though? Oh, I was saying that um, I didn't like, I don't. I didn't think that he would be the one to burn down the house. And so I was like, all right, yeah, Trip doesn't not. seem like that type of person. Right. I seriously fucking doubt Pearl did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that they were kind of making it seem, they were teasing the fact that it was Izzy who was going to do it. And yeah, in the yeah, book, yeah. she's actually the one who does it. Oh, um, okay. yeah, that was, that was the change that she made. Well, that's a great change that they made there. I, I do think it's a great change. And so well, I was thinking it was either going to be Moody or Lexi. And it was going to be like Lexi. I could tell she had that in her. And we'll talk about Lexi because, oh, my God, like she's there's but so will, much to unpack there. I Go will ahead. say, while I agree with that decision on the aggregate. Yeah. I really think the way they played it out is cheapened it so much i really hated that ending um did you and the reason the reason i hated it is because if if we had gotten the isabel to do it right or even if we had gotten um carrie washington to do it right um in that scenario it would have been a situation that was a, a what we call a crime of passion right yeah a situation where something has pushed you to do a behavior that you probably normally wouldn't do, but the circumstances put you push you to the edge and, and yeah. you make this this irrational decision. Yes. But in this, we have multiple people who have decided that yes, this is the smart and right thing, logical thing to do is for all of us to collectively work together to burn down our house to achieve X which I don't even know what X is, right? Like, what yeah. what is the purpose of it? So now we've burnt down the house. Our life still fucking sucks. Our family sucks. Our, our, our sisters run away. Like, we've literally accomplished nothing. We just don't have a place to live. And so, like, I think you make that decision on your own as, as one person making an irrational decision. But as three people collectively making an irrational decision like that, I just don't think that's realistic, personally. It's not realistic. But then a lot of these things aren't realistic either. Um, in the sense that like when we talk about the microaggressions and that's what I was talking about earlier is mm-hmm. it like look I think that microaggressions are definitely a thing they definitely happen right. um, and I understand that I don't have to deal with these as much as other people one because um, I'm light-skinned um, I'm a man and I also just don't give a shit most of the times <laughs> anyway so uh, that being said though right I feel like what happens is, is that like, let's say you have like a hundred interactions throughout the day. Right. Maybe, maybe like two or three of them are actually microaggressions. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, on average. Right. But I think that over time it fills up and it, it makes it seem like it happens all the time. Right. But the way that they convey it on this show is like every little thing that, that Elena has to say <laughs> is a microaggression. And it's that's just like, true. yo, like, that's true. You know, it's like over the top and yeah. you listen, you look at that and you're like, oh, that's realistic. It's like, okay, yes. But not not to this yeah, not level. to the, that degree. And so it's like they're already kind of stretching out like the truth to mm-hmm. what is actually believable. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why it works for me is because there's several themes. There's several themes about what the show is about. One is the guilt, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's very evident um, the guilt that we see from the Richardsons, particularly uh, Lexi, but also um, Elena. Is you know the whole idea that. 
you know, this whole how white guilt affects Elena and doesn't affect her husband um, is very, very prominent throughout the, the entire show. We don't mm -hmm. really see it until we learn Mia's backstory. We don't see it with her until we learn her backstory because I was like, yo, I don't understand like this whole thing, her whole fascination with Bibi. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, she's guilty about her own her own situation. That's why she's helping out. It's like, okay, so there's a guilt there. Like, I, I get what's going on here. Right, right. Um, but the other thing too is also about like the privileges. And, mm -hmm. you know, the children more than anything else are the epitome of the privilege. Mm -hmm. And Izzy is such a cool character because yeah. while she goes to school and I love it. I love it how I understood what, what she was doing on display. I was like, and I wasn't offended at all because I got yeah. it. Yeah, the yeah. black kid is like, you know, isn't that racist? She's like, yeah, that's the point. He's like, wow. I was like, I love yeah. how like he he doesn't really get it. <laughs> right. Um, I just thought it was clever the way they did that there. I like that but too. She goes back to her motherly figure, which in this case is is Mia Warren. Is Mia, right. And Mia says, Mia actually likes what she did. Right. But she challenges her. And right. she's and even though she's like countering her, she's like, no, 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 no. You can't challenge the world without the world challenging you back. And that's right. what I'm doing. Right. And so we see that Izzy at least tries mm -hmm. and at least at least cares. But all the other kids are so like in their own world with their privileged lives that right. like, you know, and I, I feel bad for Moody, not because of Pearl. I feel bad mm -hmm. for Moody, Moody because his sister leaves and he genuinely loves his yeah. sister. Yeah. Um, but we see that like his interaction with Pearl, his mm -hmm. entitlement to her, yeah. even though he doesn't he doesn't like own her. I think so, that's one I, of, and I, I think that them burning down the house is a reflection of that. The privilege mm. to be able to do that and sit mm. in that car and be like, "Oh, we're 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 fine. Nothing's gonna happen to us because we can do this." Right. Like to me, that's what I saw from it. Oh, that's crazy. I think you know. I I just wanted to piggyback on what you were saying about the 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 Pearl and Moody thing. Um, I think it was just actually really one of the maybe one of the first times is 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 hyperbole, but like. One of the first times I really see this whole, the idea of the kind of good guy played out on screen, yeah. you know, where it's like, because of the fact that he is the good guy and, you know, he's kind of intellectually her equal to some degree and they kind of both have some, some similarities. He feels a certain entitlement to her yes. as a, as an, as a mate, as a partner yeah. and, you know, and feels very betrayed, you know, when, when that kind of doesn't automatically happen. And, it, and it, it's Izzy who actually calls that out. Yes. You know, um, and and I I really like to see that. I mean, I didn't like to see it. It was it was painful. It was it was sad. What but, was you sad? Know, I thought it was sad for him. You know, as with like, Pearl. Yeah, I had no. I I had sympathy, but I didn't I didn't care much either. Mm. Only because look, I've I've probably been. I don't want to say I've been moody specifically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've been in a similar situation. Um, yeah. But I think that even me. In my most like nice guy phase, mm -hmm. I think at the the time when like when he's holding like when they're getting high and they're holding hands, mm -hmm. I think even then I would have made a move or I would have done something, <laughs> and like he doesn't do shit. These are kids, that was his moment, bro. Like, what are you talking I, about? I know, but what I'm saying yeah. though is it like look, like live and learn. We're you know grown I mean? ass men talking yeah, about how we we know that the nice guy role isn't a thing, right? Yeah, but like that's because we're grown ass men, right? And so like. Yeah. For, for for Moody or or someone who's like Moody, right? Like as as a kid who's kind of going through 
I'm, I'm putting in air quotes, but like love, yeah. like for the first time maybe, or one of the first times in their lives. Like, I'm not surprised that that scenario plays out the way I'm it plays out. Cause, Cause we're grown and we're not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. But like when you're that age and, and you know, it's your first time experiencing everything. I understand how that scenario happens. And, you know, I mean, it's something that needs to happen in order for individuals to understand the way the world works. Yes. And, you know, us as men with our egos, you know, needing to have some of these kind of humbling situations to understand how relationships work and, and, and et cetera. But I mean, you know, for a kid seeing have, having that happen to them for the first time, I still feel sorry for the kid, even though that's a that's a lesson that that kid needs to learn. You know what I'm saying? You're probably right. Because Moody's not an asshole, right? Like he's not he's, he's not, not he's not doing it from the perspective of him trying to own Pearl, even though overall that is kind of really what it is, right? Like that, that's that where that feeling comes from. But at the same time, like the feeling in his mind, he feels as though like I have so much more to offer you than my shallow ass brother. Like, yeah. why would you choose this lesser option when you have this better option, right? In his mind, he thinks he's kind of doing her like a service and that's just the, the, the world is supposed to work where like all the stars align and two people who have, you know, deeper thinking, you know, views of the world need to connect with each other. And Pearl's like, yo, dog, I don't give a fuck. Like, your man's got blue eyes. I'm just, I'm just gonna fuck with that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Do you think Moody ever had a chance? Because uh, I think he did have a chance. I think he probably did. I think he did. And I think that when they got high and they're holding hands and he doesn't make a move, I think that was his chance blown. Mm, it's possible. I think, honestly, you know, the psyches of children, and I'm calling them children because we fucking grown as shit, right? Yeah. Are, are whimsical. Yeah. And I mean, that you know, there may have been, he may have had a chance on Tuesday and on Thursday, he might not have had a chance. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's so, it's That's so true. up and down that it just, it just is what it is. Um, and it's a lesson that I think he, his character needed to learn. But if we're going to plug it in the way you did to him <laughs> fucking burning down the house, if he was burning down the house because of Pearl, then fuck Moody as a camp label and as a motherfucking crew. Cause dog, I don't man the fuck up. Don't burn your house down. I don't think that's what it is. I think <laughs> okay. that to me, it was just kind of metaphorical. Uh -huh. It's not, I don't think it's realistic that they burn down the house. Like yeah. that shit doesn't happen every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? With like three kids just burn down the fuck. Like that's, no, it's a story, it's fiction. Right. And I think right. that it works because they felt that they could. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? No, like I agree. they felt that they could and uh -huh. get away with it. Right. And it makes, it, it just kind of makes mm -hmm. sense. No, nah, I agree with you. If you're Pearl you know I mean? and you and all you have is a shared wall, you don't burn your fucking house down, right? Because that's all yeah. you got. She was yeah. so happy to have a wall, and then when she realized she could have more than a wall, she was fucking mad as shit. She was livid, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So if you're Pearl, you don't burn your house down. But right, like you said, right? These kids, they've they've had the privilege of having whatever the fuck they want forever, and they know that their insurance is going to cover it, and they're just going to get another house. So yeah. yeah, they burn down their house. But that that cheapened the story a little bit to me, like because it just, I think certain other things kind of made sense in in the in the the narrative of like what they were trying to tell me yeah but like them burning their house down didn't other serve for any other purpose than to be like tricked you <laughs> you thought it was going to be one of these other people it was them you know what well, I well mean? <laughs> so i think that normally i don't like things that are written 
just for the the plot's sake. I don't like that. I think that that's mm-hmm. how Scandal was written. Um, <laughs> I was able to I was able to like pre- I was able to predict episodes of Scandal, and I know, I wasn't even watching the show. Someone was yeah, someone I was someone was watching it, and I was like, oh, this is gonna happen. And it was just based off of a few like ways things that way they were setting up the episode. I was like, oh, this is going to happen. And they're like, oh, you right. don't know that. You don't even know what's going on. I was like, watch, this is going to happen. <laughs> sure enough, boom, at the end of the episode, I was like, see, that happened. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a real formulaic. It's, if you're setting up something just so that you can twist the audience, mm-hmm. like it's really easy to predict. And I think that, yes, from that perspective, you know that it's not going to be Mia Warren who burns down the house. You know that it's not going to be Izzy because they tell you that it could be Izzy at the beginning. So if it right. is Izzy, it's kind of like, well, what's the point oh, of watching this? Right, right. And if exactly. it's Mia, it's kind of like, well, that was predictable. Right. So it's like, you know, it's going to be someone else. And for me, I think the reason why I was still able to go with it is because of the th- thematically with the white privilege angle and the yeah. entitlement angle. Yeah. To me, it, it made sense. And yeah. I was initially predicting it was going to be one. And then before the last episode, I went back to watch the very first scene and it threw me off because I was like, well, wait, maybe it's not any of these kids because I didn't think that it could be any three of them. Mm -hmm. I I didn't think it was going to be all three of them. At first, I thought it could be either Lexi or Moody. And Mm -hmm. I was like, why? I guess I was two thirds of the way. Right. So, boom, (laughs) there you go. But yeah, 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 yeah. I, I um. Yeah, I don't Great. Great show, man. I, I think, you know. I think nowadays, you know, the, the, the conversations about um, a lot of the things that they talked about here, but but mainly, right, uh, white privilege, yeah. uh, feminism, um, you know, I think they really just kind of did a good job of, like, discussing those things and, and many, many more, you know, subjects yeah. um, in a show that was still entertaining. Um, and, you know, us being able to see the privilege, I really... You know, I don't know. I have a love hate relationship, but you know, Lexi and her black boyfriend, right? Um, uh, yeah. Let me let me give the hate first because I I loved I loved it a lot more than I hated it. Okay. Um, my man was five four, and he was supposed to be the starting quarterback of a high school. Now, yeah. mind you, they live in the suburbs, but I don't know any school in America that that kid yeah. could have been the quarterback of a of a football team. I just I, I don't see. Not it. to sorry. mention. What the fuck was with that hairstyle? Oh, though? yeah, his hairstyle. No like- black <laughs> men in America. Literally zero out of however many black men were in America. <laughs> zero. Zero. Had yeah. that haircut in 1997. I gave Fucking him zero. The, I gave him the you're a black kid at a white school pass on, on the hair. No, no one, bad. no black kid <laughs> was rocking that hairstyle in 1997. Oh, 1991? Yeah. 92 maybe even 93 right right okay 1997 zero they must have cast my man and he said look i'm not cutting my flat top i'm keeping my shit um (laughs) but yeah but you know so so you know just the juxtaposition of the the black valedictorian and the white valedictorian dating each other um and i i really 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 liked a lot of the interactions that we got between the two of them you know Mm -hmm. because there were so many scenarios where you know i I really liked his character because he kind of called out bullshit yeah but not in a way like they made pearl a very like emotional character Yes. When she liked something, we knew she liked it. When she yes. hated something, we knew she hated it. It was so right. blatant. And like with him, he would be in a scenario that was bullshit. 
he understood like sarcasm enough to like call out some bullshit but still be in the scenario you know so yeah. he comes through and you know and and um reese witherspoon i don't remember what she said but later later he, he gives us the whole you know she told us she marched with dr king and all that other yes. bullshit right like she she gives us like the 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 get out almost the get out level you know racism while saying you're not racist shit yeah and then like he calls it out, but in a way where he's still there and everybody still feels comfortable, but he's like, yo, that was some bullshit. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I really like his character and I like how we got to see, you know, Lexi's kind of microaggressions in all of these things where she's just, she's just stating out loud what her thoughts are. And in real time, he's giving commentary on her thoughts. Like, yeah, In seriously? a lot of ways, I actually think his character might have been too mature for mm. a black high school senior in 1997 and mm. in, in 2017 and 2020 i get it totally mm -hmm. but in That's 1997 fair. i almost think he's a little too mature yeah. in terms of the 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 challenges and some of the feedback mm -hmm. that he gives i think maybe yeah. i don't know i mean he's he's also a a senior valedictorian you yeah. know who's getting ready to go to you know princeton, princeton. or yale or whatever yeah. his options were so um, but yeah, man, I think honestly, their relationship is my favorite of, of, of all the relationships on the show. Yeah. Look, there's so much to unpack with Lexi and yeah. I mean, she is, are there, are there, are there really Becky's and Karen's out there that are that bad? Yo, she's, she's just the next generation of her mother. I think they did a yeah. great job, you know, with, with the two of them. Yeah. But I don't even think Elena would have taken someone else's story to do the whole shit with the, um, with the uh the yale essay and then pass it off like oh it was no big deal i'm not even sure if elena would have done that when she was younger well i mean they made they made elena a fucking user right like at the end of the day she used the people around her for what she needed yeah um and she and she could not see it like she was completely blind to those situations yeah. and so i feel like you know the essay is like just, literally just the next generation a little bit That's more true. privilege showing those same traits you know what i'm saying i think my fate in terms of talking about elena as a user which is mm -hmm. um appropriate i hadn't i hadn't thought to do that but you're absolutely right mm -hmm. my favorite interaction mm -hmm. was actually elena when she goes to the abortion clinic to ask her friend for the details about bb to see oh maybe bb tried to seek an abortion uh, like that epitomizes yeah. that perfectly yeah. because like Elena is ruthless and she's like, yeah, I don't care if it's illegal. I got right. you this job. You're going to exactly. do this. Oh, you have a patient to go see. I'll wait. Oh, she's leaving the room. Well, I'm just going to snoop and try to find, figure out some shit like, yeah, man. And man. speaking of speaking of her ruthlessness and speaking of things that are unrealistic, right? Yeah. She's so ruthless that she finds Mia, Mia's family and she goes and she interviews them. Now, yes. let's talk about shit that's unrealistic. Go a ahead. white lady calls up a black family and is like, hey, I'm about to ask you some questions about your daughter. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't care what the situation is, even if you're estranged. Yeah. As a black family, some white lady calls and is like, I'm about to start interviewing you about your kid. Well, she shows up at the, at the house. Okay. She shows up. First well. of all, she's lucky she even got invited in. But let's say yeah. it's the South, which it's not. They'll say they invite her in. And she starts asking questions. Like literally, they're gonna be like, yo, I don't really talk to Shorty like that, but here's her number. 
you know, if you want to ask her these questions, you ask her these questions. Like, I don't know a black family that's going to give a random person just information about their family member like that. I don't see it. You're probably right. Um, I could I could see it happening, but I think you're probably right that generally speaking, it would be difficult for her to get that information. Yeah, I thought that that was a really unrealistic um, outcome. But but again, it just showed, like you said, the ruthlessness of this this character. And, you know, Mm -hmm. she you know, she went all out. She left her family behind. She went to New York like she was obsessive about this situation. And then, you know, at a, in, a, in a moment of weakness, she finds that she needs to be validated by her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. You know, she, she, she ends up in this scenario, realizes, ah, this isn't really what I need in the moment, you know, type of a deal the first time around, the, the, the old yeah. time. And then, you know, in this scenario, she decides, oh, yeah, I think this is what I want. And then he's just like, calls her out on her bullshit. You know what yeah. I mean? Ugh. Yeah, it's kind of I a really dickheaded like thing to do on his part. I'm not saying. Yeah, that he why did he? Wrong. Why did he let her go as long as that? I agree. I, so it, this is a situation where I, I don't necessarily think he's wrong, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not judging him or criticizing him for it. But it is a dickheaded thing for him to it do. It is. Yeah. He basically wanted. He wanted to make her feel like shit. Is essentially what he wanted to do. But he when felt we entitled see what, to do that. But when we see what happened the first time around, we see sure. why he did it that way. Sure, sure. I, like I said, yeah. I'm not criticizing him for it. I started Cause, laughing. Because she, she, she left his ass in a fucking motel in the middle yes. of nowhere the first time around yes. for no reason, right? You know, so it was, I thought it was hilarious for him to do it. I'm just saying yeah. it is a dickheaded thing. Oh, for him it's to definitely do. a dickheaded thing. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, there was one other point I wanted to make, but um, yeah, just to. You know, man, there's there's so many themes here. I mean, I love the whole idea, like the competition between like who's a good mother, and yeah. I think for, for Elena, that's that kind of what it comes down to. Like, mm-hmm. it's this personal battle with her and Mia, yeah. and like she doesn't care about her husband, she doesn't yeah. care about Linda, she doesn't care about her kids. She just wants to be Mia, and that becomes mm-hmm. her downfall. Yeah, and maybe that's a little too over the top. Maybe that's unfair for the writers to go at that angle, or maybe I'm mm-hmm. just looking at it wrong. But I mean, I think at the end, that's that's kind of what it was coming down to. No, I think um, you're right, and I think to some degree, though, like it makes sense with her character, right? Like her character yeah. actually is she's a go getter, she's driven, yeah. and but she makes these decisions that puts her in the position of a family woman, and so she feels as though she's kind of no longer in competition on this level as a journalist, right? Like, and we see her get knocked down time after time throughout the show, right? Like she comes to New York and she says she has a friend at the times and they're like, oh, a real journalist? Oh, you you know somebody there? You know what I mean? So it's like, she's like, no, I'm a real journalist. And people are like, yo, you work at the fucking Shaker Times. Like you're not a real journalist. So so to some degree, she's almost not competing in a field that she really wants to compete. So. The first time around when she's dealing with her ex, you know, he's obviously he's decided he's competing. He's he's out here, you know, really mm-hmm. trying to be a, a top notch journalist. And so it's like, yo, you've made the decisions that that where you're competing is as a family woman, as a mother. And so I think to some degree she feels like she's been derailed to this track. And then, you know, she decides that, you know, based on the way she f- she feels that she's been slighted by Mia, that she's competing with Mia as to like who's the better mother she wants mm-hmm. to be a she she keeps saying you, you hear her say throughout the show i'm a good person yes. i'm a good oh, person yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's really Yo, important she's to her. not the only one lexi too yeah. anytime anyone particularly <laughs> those two anytime yeah. they're ever challenged and they don't have a defense mm-hmm. their defense is 
I'm a good person. I'm not right. a bad person. I'm a I'm a, <laughs> a good student. I'm a good mother. Yeah. It's a defense every single time. I love yeah. it. And so like I think it gets to a point where it's like, okay, now the one thing that she feels she has is like, I need to beat Mia as a mother. Like yeah. I need to show that, you know, so my daughter Isabel feels some sort of affinity to this woman. Like I need to show her that like I'm the good mother and this other woman is like a bad mother. And, you know, speaking about that, that's the one area where, look, you know, it probably would have been great to get a woman's perspective on this show because most yeah. of the characters that we're talking about are women. Yeah. Um, but I think that the the last theme, I guess, that kind of plays out is, or that we really hear articulated, mm-hmm. is that, you know, Elena really resents having that for a child. And we kind of mm-hmm. see it throughout the episode, uh, throughout right. the series, but it's like really driven home at the end. Mm-hmm. Like in that last episode eight, it's really, really driven home. Yeah, yeah. And that one is I I kinda have to just go with it. Um, I'm not sure if I can challenge it. Mm-hmm. I think that if you have three and you're cool with that, to really just resent the fourth, mm-hmm. and maybe you're resenting the fourth because you feel like the fourth one is the one that derailed your career. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's possible, but I feel like it, it felt like a little bit of a stretch. I mean, to really mm-hmm. just hate Izzy. Mm-hmm. Just for the sake of like, I just yeah. hate you. It's kind of like what it felt like. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know man. I, I personally felt like that resonated with me. Um, okay, and you know, I mean, I think everybody's family situations are different, right? Right. Um, but I do think that parents, um, you know, I mean, and it depends on what what your situation and scenario are. But you know, I do think that parents, you know unfortunately may attribute certain things to or and even the birth of certain children to the circumstances around the child right yeah um i know with me personally you know and not to overshare or whatever but like you know i was a first child um i was not a planned pregnancy and at the time my parents were like like out here like they were they they were on the scene they were partying etc so when i came along it slowed up what my parents had going on yeah. And I heard that a lot as a kid, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it was something that I think really my parents felt a way about. Like they had to change their whole lifestyle when they decided we're going to keep this child and we're going to become parents. They had to change their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think to some degree it it bothered them. And it was something yeah. that like reflected on the way I was parented. And yeah. so like I feel like, you know, it's different for for everybody, but I think they did a really good job of painting how Reese Witherspoon, we got to see that episode where, you know, she finally was going to, you know, bounce back and she was going to get back into the professional world and and, the whole, and, yeah. and all the et cetera's. And then she finds out she's pregnant again. And it's like, fuck, like I literally been waiting for this moment. And now this moment is, is going to pass me by. Um, and so I think while I think the whole, like, I think it was really heavy handed at the end where she's like, oh, I wish I wasn't your mom type of deal. Like that's, that's a little extra. But I do think that the, these scenarios where parents kind of attribute certain decisions that they had to make in, in, in a point in their life to the child that, that you know, was the, the reason why they had to do that. I think that's something that's real. You know, what I, I mean? think it is real. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, I love, I guess, the last conversation we have between Elena and Mia that started out as a positive when or and they were in good terms when uh, when Mia is still in the house and she said yeah. like look you know you make good choices cuz right, you, you had, had good, choices. good choices yeah which, that was amazing we which i think is generally true uh-huh. although we find out that 
you know, Mia had choices of her own that she didn't mm-hmm. have to make, mm-hmm. which is, is kind of like, eh, when we find out about her backstory, it's kind of like, all right, to me, that's, that's when I kind of just see like her hypocrisy a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I don't say that to be critical. I'm just calling it what it is. Okay. Um, but nevertheless, it is true. It's like, mm-hmm. look, if you have good choices to make, you're going to make good choices. Right. And some people don't have good choices at all. Right. They have nothing but bad choices and they're trying to make the best of it. Um, yep. Yep. You know, that I'm was one of my sh- favorite scenes. I'm not sure if learning, you know, us learning about Mia, I'm not sure if what we did learn about her um, really is she's the best person to bring that home. It's the reality of the situation. She is a person to bring that home. I mean, because look, yeah. she comes from a, a good family, all things mm-hmm. considered. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to be an artist. She could have made other good choices. She chose right. to, to follow her dreams. Right. And then life worked out the way it did. Whereas yeah. Elena chose not to follow her dreams and mm-hmm. said she followed her plan, which right. was to be ultimately a house mother. And then she follow, saw her dreams crumble. And then, of course, she uses the fourth child as a reason to resent right. her not having a career. I think, right. you know, a good question to ask would be, okay, let's say they never have Izzy, mm-hmm. right? And let's say her career still has bumps, which she ended up blaming Moody. And maybe now it's she possible. has a relationship with Moody that she has with Izzy. Yeah. It's very possible. It's yeah, who knows? It's very possible, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's crazy. But um, another scene that I thought was was really good i think it might be my favorite or second favorite scene was um the scene where you know um lexi comes back after you know going to the abortion clinic <laughs> yeah and you know she's chilling and you know and mia's like okay let me get you some tea she gets her some yes, tea and yes, she's just yes, kind of yes. like yeah you know you want to like, know what i think i want you, yeah <laughs> and then, and she's just like yo like at the end of the day like you have so much privilege to fucking be here right now where you are. Yes. And like, yet you feel as though you're privileged enough to even ask for more yes. than you've already taken in this scenario. I thought yes. that was so spot on. And I, the one thing I will say about it is I feel like the message that she told that child in that mm-hmm. scenario, while it was it was spot on in terms of, of what it was. Yeah. I don't think that it was the right time and the right audience. And and the reason I feel that way is because As in Lexi's not the right audience or we're not yeah, the right audience. Lexi. Um okay. and, 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 and and Lexi in general, I think she does need to learn that lesson. But I think the directness of, of what was said is actually what we needed to tell Reese Witherspoon's character. Um and I think that, you know, I think that in this scenario where Lexi's character is already so vulnerable and so broken down and so beaten down, I don't know that you as an adult who's like, you know, at another level of maturity, um, that it's the right time to teach that lesson to somebody who's younger than you when they're already beaten down. I agree with everything she said. I just don't know if I feel like that was the time to, to teach that lesson. So here is why I, I'm going to disagree with you. Um, mm-hmm. And this is why I think the writing was, show, was so good. Yeah. Is that one of the things that screenwriters have to do is they have to make a character kind of like reluctant to do something. Mm-hmm. And we see in that moment that Carrie doesn't really want to talk to this person at all. <laughs> right. And Lexi is kind of prodding her. Yeah. And she's finally like, fine, this is what I think. Right. If you really want to know. And I think that 
maybe this is just me in, in my, you know, analytical mind, like how I analyze, you know, screenwriting and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think it I think it works. I think that generally speaking, you're probably correct, but I think it, it works artistically because, you know, Carrie Washington doesn't just offer that. You know what I mean? She, yeah, that's she's, true. That's true. She, doesn't that's just, she doesn't want to talk to this person at all yeah. um and i think that given how upset she is for her daughter learning that you know this person used her mm -hmm. um to 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 protect her own self right and disregarded the fact that well this might be a bad look for pearl oh but who who cares about pearl i'm the right. one who's going to yell i'm right. the one that we need to protect because I'm not thinking about all these other people. Exactly. You know, I, I think that this is an emotional show. Mm -hmm. You have characters who were who acted emotionally all the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And everyone was acting emotionally at some point. And I think that human beings, you know, were flawed emotional creatures. And sometimes we have a difficult time handling those emotions. And I think yeah. in that particular time, you know, what would have been definitely wrong is if she volunteers that information and is truly emotional about it and enraged. But we see her try yeah. to be reserved. That's true. We, try, That's true. we see her try to be hold back. She's very measured in what she says. She's articulate. Mm -hmm. She doesn't hold any punches. Mm -hmm. But I think it it's for me, it worked artistically. So I, I understand yeah. what you're saying that, yeah. yes, Elena is the one who needs to hear that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we also know that Elena is not going to hear that yeah. at all. Yeah. Alexi, yeah. Lexi is going to hear it and maybe she has a chance to improve, but we That's see fair. that Lexi still, despite yep. that, still doesn't improve. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it was, I think it was perfect. And I think if you're, especially if you're trying to illustrate that Lexi is just the second version of her, of her mother, Elena, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think artistically it's a, it's the perfect person to give that message to because yeah you know we 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 can already see what elena needs to do but now you you, you see the result of that yeah and so you've got you've got the, these two kids these two girls you know lexi and izzy and what direction mm. are they going to go in and mm. izzy is challenged and feels bad about it but is trying to learn she's genuinely interested in learning That's and true. she's recognizing her own shit and That's lexi true. won't do it and so yeah. when you have these dramas you have to have this like this this contrast and we see that That's and so real. it's like like I said, when we're talking about like this interplay between antagonist and protagonist, mm -hmm. there are very much times in the show, in the series, where Mira mm -hmm. Warren is, a, is an antagonist. Mm -hmm. By the end, she confronts her demons and mm -hmm. she, she decides to persevere and just face the consequences. Mm -hmm. And Elena won't do that. She continues to be in denial. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And everything blows up in her face, literally. And the result of that blowing up in her face is this daughter who heard this message from Mia and still decided her entitled best action to do was to burn down the fucking house. So here's a question. Here's a question. Okay. Um, so I, 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 you know, kind of have a, a worldview at, you know, at this, at this point in my life where, you know, to some degree you kind of have certain personality types and, you know, I mean, obviously there's a degree of luck, right. As to how, how outcomes occur. Right. But mm -hmm. to some degree, certain personality types in general yield certain outcomes. Right. Yeah. So, Let's talk about like the fact that or 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 do you do you feel as though, right, um, that Lexi's personality type, right? She has a personality type where she has a specific worldview and mm -hmm. and her way of doing things is success by all means necessary. I don't give a fuck who I throw under the bus. I don't care whatever it is like I need to be successful. Right. It's one thing. 
And then you have, you know, certain other individuals, your, your, you know, Izzy's and, you know, even to some degree, um, uh, Mia's daughter, Pearl, um, you know, who kind of more so consider the feelings of others and doing the right thing and et cetera. Do yeah. you feel like part of the reason that her character is successful in that, like, you know, I mean, she, she has this full ride to Yale or whatever, whatever her, her Yale scholarship situation is. Do you feel like that part of the reason why she is successful is because she looks at the world the way she does? Um, mm, no, no, I don't. I think, um, I think that the reason why Lexi is successful is because once she has the resources to be That's successful, she has been taught entitlement from her mm -hmm. mother, mm -hmm. from her from her parents, probably both of them. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, there's a pressure that Lexi talks about that this pressure to be perfect. Mm -hmm. But I think that given you know all the things that she had going for her, um, she managed to navigate or be in a situation where you know she was never really challenged and confronted it didn't matter because even mm -hmm. look at even look at brian even look at her boyfriend he mm -hmm. challenges her repeatedly confronts yeah. her repeatedly and yet he's still fucking her you know what i mean like but but, but that's a perfect example right like but he, i don't think it's because she's successful i mm -hmm. i don't think that she, i don't think it's success by any means i think she's successful because like she's literally allowed to be successful that even when she fails mm -hmm. it's okay because everything will work out for her. And I think that mm -hmm. it it's more, it's, it's less about success by any means. And it's more about becoming used to success to the point where if you don't get it, you can complain your way to success. Not That's mm -hmm. not necessarily success by any means. And maybe mm -hmm. maybe we're talking about different de definitions. When I think of success by any means, I think of Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, of and obviously, course. obviously, you know, we're talking about, you know, the last dance that's coming around the same time as this. Right. Um, and so we're talking about what winning and what that means like, and that's like Michael Jordan's whole mentality. Mm -hmm. But I think that the difference though, is that success by any means also entails like, a, or, or, or also involves like earning it to some degree. And I'm not sure how much she has actually earned specifically. So, but, but here's, here's the, here's the counter, you know, example, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's she's one of four. Yeah. Um, she has three siblings. Yeah. She's the uh, do, oldest, do, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So yeah. so do we think then, since since all of them have been given this level of privilege, do we think that the other three are also gonna get into Yale on a full ride or whatever her, her offer was? Um I, probably I, not trip is I'm, it, I'm sure. positing I'm positing that, you know while we have so many negative things to say about the way she views the world many people say that michael jordan since we're using that example michael jordan's an asshole right yeah but at the end of the day michael jordan always looked at the world to say like there's literally one option i have to yeah. be successful yes. i have to win there's the i don't care like i don't care about anything else but i have to win right and so is there a positive way to view the way she views the world, even though we see it as short-sighted, no, possibly I, I racist, et cetera, I that can't. enables her to win and 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 have what she's had in terms of success. I, I can't because I think one method involves integrity and it, it involves having accountability, personal responsibility, which means that if you lose, 
you don't complain, you don't make excuses, you work harder to mm. to win, which I mm. think is one path. And obviously, mm. look, I have been relatively successful. I may not have already done that. I may not have always done that. So I'm not talking about my path. I'm just talking about if we're talking about the binary here, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I think that when we're talking about Jordan becoming a winner, like Jordan, we saw how much he worked. Right. You know what I mean? And when, when things didn't go well, he got back and went into the gym. Mm-hmm. He didn't blame the referees. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He didn't blame his general manager. Got back in the gym, made his teammates get better. Maybe he was See, an but, asshole, but he worked but, hard. But, but that's not people, what she's doing. That's but, some what people, she's doing. but some people would disagree with you, right? Some people okay. would say, Michael Jordan got beat up by the Pistons, for example. Then sure. Michael Jordan went into the press and complained that the Pistons were bad for, for basketball and that the rules needed to be changed because he was getting beat up. That's, so, I mean, again, I'm a Bulls I, fan, so I I'm, I'm trying to provide the counter narrative. I obviously am a Jordan fan I guess that's fair. and support Jordan. I'm just saying. I'm not sure Jordan was the only one doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's fair. I don't think it's the same thing because we also mm-hmm. saw how much work Jordan had put in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, And I think that just because you're honest about something doesn't necessarily mean that you're complaining just for the sake of complaining. Doesn't necessarily mean you're letting people make excuses for you. Mm. Whereas I think that that's, when I see Lexi's character, that's Mm. what she's doing. Mm. She's allowing people to make excuses or she is complaining or she's trying to skirt the rules. You know what I mean? And that's why it's, I don't, it's a success by any means, but it's also Mm. like, She's allowed to do that because I think yeah. that I think that if she didn't have the resources, but she went yeah. about things the exact same way, she'd be in a very different position. Yeah, I honestly think honestly that her her mentality might actually have helped and enabled some of her success. I will say that the one thing I would give to her is that, or I guess take away from her is that I think to some degree she has footprints in the sand, you know, in that like. Her privilege really already puts her on second or third base. And she also has a mother who's just not willing to accept a world where she isn't given everything. And so I think we get to see that at the end, right? Where she says, mom, I'm not perfect. I got an abortion. And her mom is like, I I refuse to accept a world. Yes, you are. You are perfect. Right, you are perfect. I refuse to accept a world where you are not perfect and everything doesn't go perfectly for you. So it's like, even if she were to fall short of her goal, her yes. mother and the forces around her would ensure that she still achieved whatever the goal was. Yeah. But anyway, I just yeah. thought it was something interesting to talk about. No, look, there's so many things to, to talk about. I'm sure that if you're listening to this, there's probably something that we missed that you nah. guys would like to talk about. If there is, you know, write a comment about it, continue the conversation on Facebook, on That's SoundCloud, right. whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, we've been talking about this for close to two hours now, so we should probably wrap this up. <laughs> Yo, we but need man, a season two, man. Please give us a season two. I, I, I disagree with you there. I don't think it needs a season two. You think it's going to be trash? I think that some stories are contained, and I think that once... I think that it, it's difficult to make a season two. I don't mm-hmm. want a season two. I feel like so. I, I want to see what, what you know life after that insurance claim looks like. Maybe I think that like then we can get a big little lies situation, right? And I saw I saw Big Little Lies on HBO. I saw the first season, and even though I was able to, is predict, it good? I never seen that. Uh, it is good. Yeah, okay. um, it is good. Even though I was able to predict like who the main villain was going to be, mm-hmm. um, which even me saying that is kind of like a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Just saying that, um, I, but I was able to predict it. But even despite that, I still thought it was a good show. But then I, I watched season two, and this guy Meryl Streep. 
in my opinion, the best actor of her generation, probably mm. ever. I, I think Meryl Streep is amazing. Yeah, she's good. Um, even with her, I couldn't finish the show. Like, I, I couldn't mm. keep watching. I was like, I got bored out of my mind. So I don't <laughs> think that you need a season two. Okay. Person. I don't think so. That's I fair. think what we what we do need is this battle that we're going to get between Jill Scott <laughs> and Erica Badu. And I can't, yeah. I can't wait. And I know that I'm, I'm already, I already can tell that there's people going to be like, oh, you know, I don't want to see these two queens duke it out. They should be uplifting each other. I don't care. Look, I'm competitive. Yeah. I want to see them go at it. They're That's what I up, want to see. They're going to uplift each other. Um, are, I, I don't are, think that are, we need to are. knock any crowns <laughs> off. But, but I will say though that both of these ladies, based on my, at least what I've seen from them, they're both fairly witty. And mm-hmm. so I actually kind of hope that we get to see some shade because I want to see some shade. I want to see it as a shade queen. And I've, I haven't seen Jill throw shade, but she's very witty. Yeah. And I feel like she might she might have some nice counter shade to throw at, at Erica. So I, I definitely want to see that. Who's going to win? <sighs> Honestly, if I had to just make an, an overarching prediction, I'd say Erica. Yeah, I go about um, by depth. But I think Jill's going 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 really. Um, surprise some people i think so i think that this is going to be a very popular segment we're obviously going to have to do a recap on it do you want to do an episode or do you want to kind of do like a live recap like we did with the uh the uh, baby face and teddy riley i don't know man i guess let's 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 leave that open-ended and make a decision based on what we see okay yeah all right well that's going to be saturday may 9th right yeah all right um cool all right. Well, I think that should wrap it up for our part two of the COVID-19 check-in. Hope yes, everyone sir. is staying safe and staying sane and doing things to maintain, getting a, you know, finding a new hobby, getting some rest, <laughs> getting some peace of mind, whatever. Prayers up for the folks that, are, you know, have been impacted by this COVID yeah. situation. I, I will just say, you know, to try to use our, our, our platform responsibly. Please, y'all stay inside, man. Like really, yeah. really do this, this social distancing shit because... Honestly, I don't want to be in my house forever. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And I feel like this is just getting prolonged, you know? And I, I say this as somebody who lives in Chicago, and Chicago's a city that a lot of people are violating the, the social order. Uh, yeah. Please, you know, it, 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 to, to what degree you can, just follow the rules. Let's try to get through this so that we can, you know, get back to our, our daily lives. You know? All right. I think, that, I think that should do it. Peace, y'all. Peace.